Throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourself? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. It's time to listen and learn. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Things Worth Considering. I'm your host, Gord Riddell, and I'm here with my luscious co-host, Dr. Jan Hill. Hi, Jan. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Is it hot enough for you? I love hot. Bring it on. Oh, okay. I guess I used to, but not anymore. I don't have air conditioning. The idea of lying, oh my God. It's great at my house. Okay. Um, So let's move to uh, our special guest. Actually, uh, she is the registrar and managing director of Transformational Arts College, uh, Linda Kushner. Linda is also an instructor. She is a registered psychotherapist. She is a Reiki master. Um, She has a few other things there, but she has a fascination and and a high study area in the area of death and dying. And uh, in our spiritual directors program, which she also teaches in, um, that's one of the areas that uh, she helps people learn how to help people who are in that process. Um, So uh, Linda, actually, Linda and I just attended a conference called the Afterlife Conference in Salt Lake City. And that's, um, it was her third, it was my second, and one other, uh, two other people from here also attended. And it was quite an interesting experience. Um, they have lots of very, very interesting things. And the uh, Reverend Dr. Uh, Terry, uh, Ter- Daniel. Terry Daniels, Terry Daniels um, uh, is the, uh, the person who's founded it 10 years ago. And uh, their, their 10th anniversary is going to be in Chicago in uh, this coming June of 2020. So that's, uh, you know, we all have a sort of an interest in that. Um, I think uh, our society is so much a anti-death society. Uh, we, we pretend it doesn't exist. So it's good to talk about it. Welcome, Linda. Thank you. Hello, everyone. So uh, why don't you tell us something about how did you get into wanting to know about the afterlife? It was something somehow that I was always interested in, accumulated all these books relating to death and afterlife. And since I was a a teenager, I've always had an interest in other worlds. And I've had a few experiences myself traveling to other worlds in different ways. Okay. Uh, So is that... um, uh, Are we talking like a spaceship here? Are we... (laughs) um, that, That just was like a... Well, let's stop me for a second. Um, not, not unheard of. Okay. Another thing that happened, too, was I, I was 28 when my one of my best friends died in a car crash very suddenly. And it really hit home the mortality piece oh, yeah. about this particular dimension is limited. Very, very. And everyone acts as though it's going to go on forever and ever. We're so surprised when it changes. Absolutely. <laughs> um so, okay, so tell us why. Uh, why explore theories of death and uh, the afterlife? Well, because it, it really allows us to look at the possibilities of what is consciousness and what is beyond consciousness as well. That idea that if we recognize we are infinite, then what does that mean for living more meaningful lives in the end? Well, um, you know, someone, someone has said that until we... We actually come to terms with death. We'll never live. Yeah, I think that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, it's that, that's the paradox, right? The paradox that that. That's a huge, huge one. You know? yeah. People are living in so much fear about dying that they never live. Not consciously. Yeah, that starts to happen. Yeah, and certainly we can't imagine not being in a body. What it, what on earth is that like? So it becomes an opportunity to look at what's going on around experiences that have happened to people where they've explored going beyond the body, looking at soul, looking at spirit. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it exists, you know, certainly medically, or you're going to talk about, I believe, some of the research in this area, but also in, in the, you know, almost all spiritual and religious um, uh, you know, uh, faiths have some sort of afterlife, and and their their mystical ends of it all have you know much more around that. That's true, and that goes way way back to Plato even. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't quite put him into a religious area, but I'll work with Plato. (laughs) I like Socrates. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, right? It's like, um, why are we today sort of struggling with the sacred? Why are we today, you know, finding ourselves asking, oh, well, is there an afterlife and what is that like? And can I really believe what I might sense or what I've heard happen to other people or these kinds of things? And that's an effect of materialism, you know, that's linked into modernity, this world that... That the only world that we can actually be sure exists is the one that we can see, taste, smell, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That and, has some, and buy. Yeah, exactly, right? Is that we, yeah, and that we can measure and observe. And, right. of course, we all know that, you know, there's so much that we can't measure and observe. Even our own experiences we can't measure and observe all the time, right? They just happen at a very unconscious level. So we can accept it on some levels, but when we actually think of what happens after we leave the corporeal plane, it's, it's that's where people run into challenges. They can't. They can't really grasp that, or right. they don't want to. Well, I think there's there's sort of the two, you know, one's uh, theories. One's inverse to the other, and that is is that we we're born, and then when we die, you know, we have a spiritual existence afterwards, or maybe we're spirit already. Well, right. Exactly. And that we chose to have a, a, a human experience, and we'll go back to some sort of spiritual experience. And I think those two def- really, which one you're going with is going to define how you're going to work with that. Yeah, of course. No, I think so. You know, um, people seem to be much more comfortable with thinking of the possibilities that maybe they did exist before, and then be able to come here and go back somewhere else. Mm. And most, of course, are fearful about death. And there's even some controversy about what exactly is death. Is it when the brain is gone? Is it when the heart stops? There's a lot of of possibilities there. And the way that people are looking at it um, is not just through the technology, but what is that consciousness? Nobody can really identify. Consciousness is not the brain. Yeah. Is it the heart? Is it something else? Well, yeah, uh, we've mentioned it before. It's like we know where the brain is, but we don't know where the mind is. Right. You know, and it says, mind your business. It's like, well, I don't know where it is right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, brain death, brain death is much more of a legal, you know, I mean, people are, are pronounced without them doing, you know, EGs on somebody uh, that they're, uh, you know, they're going to measure the, the heart. If the heart stopped, often that's. A point where they're going to not resuscitate, depending on a whole bunch of other circumstances. So, you know, it's even the definition then of death is is variable. Absolutely, that it's the ending of a person's life, the per- permanence of something ending, and yet um, it's a ces- cessation of certain vital organs at the same time as the sensation of brainwave activity. Uh, however, people define it differently. And mm-hmm. they'll look at it differently. And certainly, Ibn Alexander, um, in his book, Map of, um, sorry, Proof of Heaven, he was a neurosurgeon who went through an experience that is typically a near-death experience. We can talk more about what those typical um, elements are. But as a neurosurgeon, he is absolutely convinced that he was not dead, that he, 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 that he had left his body and he was in another dimension, mm-hmm. alive mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. dimension. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of scientific examples, in, certainly with his background in medicine, obviously, mm-hmm. to, to prove that. Because a lot of people will discount an experience of near-death ex- near death saying that it's just about someone's imagination um, and they were really not dead. Um, something fired in their brain and created this illusion, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a common one. It's like it's a chemicals like petering out or the chemicals interacting at, at the very end that it's just a, a, a fluke that, of what what they think uh, happens at, at the, the end of life. They don't give any credibility to it might actually be a form of consciousness. Well, it's kind of interesting too, right? It's like at what point does the body stop working? And if we define the stopping working of the body, the sensation of the body, as being death, then which doesn't include the mind, it doesn't include the spirit, that even that is problematic, right? Because now mm-hmm. they feel that DNA continues to um, provide instructions to cells at a cellular level about how to decay for up to, I think, it's 60 days after death. It's still, so the DNA is still sending information, right? And then what about the woman who's pregnant, 
who technically she's brain dead, let's say, right. and she's on life support. And yet she's able to incubate, gestate that fetus to until they can remove the fetus, right? And but uh your baby's fine. So who's actually dead or not dead? Yeah, yeah, pregnant yeah. body, right? Yeah. It's like this whole idea of life and death is really quite fascinating because the underlying foundation of it assumes that you have one rational mind in one abled body that is functioning, right? Take away any of those things, and you'll find that the that the paradigm, that neoliberal paradigm, collapses and it becomes problematic, right? It's usually. Yeah. I hadn't considered the the whole thing of the fetus. That's uh, maybe for obvious reasons. I've never done that, but. Um, that's, that's interesting. That's fascinating. Issue, right? Sure it yeah. is. Sure it is. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. Uh, we're all sitting here going, hmm. Mm. <laughs> keep, keep, keep making us think, Linda. It's worth considering. <laughs> we're considering the possibilities here. <laughs> well, I think what, what's really important is to look at the research. There's just thousands of hours of research, maybe even hundreds of thousands of hours of research on near-death experiences. There's an international association of near-death experiences. They actually put out a journal. Um, they have a collection of, of um, research that basically from people who have contacted them or that they, they have contacted as well. There is research um, done also on children, um, which is interesting, especially children who have not been indoctrinated into any kind of belief system about an afterlife or about spirit or about God or the universe, um, that even with children at a very young age, the elements that they describe in a near-death experience are are exactly the same as those Mm -hmm. common elements that adults describe as well, right? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, that really is. That really is. Because mm-hmm. they could not have been indoctrinated in any way, shape, or form before, uh, prior to that. And, of course, you know, uh, uh, quantum physics really backs a lot of this up and in terms of the possibilities. Uh, you know, physics really, really opens that door. It did open that door to the whole area of consciousness. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so there, there really is some pretty, pretty uh, uh, mounting evidence, you know, scientifically that um, this isn't all there is, Peggy Lee. <laughs> right, because it's the non-local aspect of consciousness, right? That's right. right? Yeah, so yeah. Where well, is yeah. consciousness if it's not here, stuck in my brain? Exactly. Well, I've always contended that you know our subconscious and our consciousness are outside yeah. uh, of the body, in so far as it's not subjected to the time-space continuum that we are, mm-hmm. like our body is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's uh, you know that that just opens up so many possibilities, and you think like. Where then? Where is it? It's you know, it's stuck to me, mm-hmm. moving around with me, but it's not in what I know to be real, and that is time space. Mm-hmm. To quote Eben Alexander, consciousness is the basis of all that exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, it has to be. It has to be. Yeah. So, well, you know, um, I mean, you got a couple of quotes you gave me. Brain doesn't create consciousness; it houses the consciousness. Right. That's a great quote. Yeah. Yeah, it's enough to sit here and just keep thinking, but dead air isn't really much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Although there'd be a lot of consciousness. There would be a lot of consciousness. In that dead air. I know, but would people pick up on that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some other ones here. Uh, uh, brain seems to be a filter between the material world and a connection to infinity of the other side. I love that. The other side. Are you, side whose side are you what? on? Whose side are you on? Yeah. I'm on the other side. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing the white sweater. And uh, personality yeah. continues after physical death. You know, that we, we actually do. And, and, and people who can, who can actually communicate with people who have passed on do so because their personality still, they still hold some of those traits. Exactly. Yeah. In terms like mediumship, they're able to connect with that, that individual as they identify themselves and, and experience life. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So Dr. Raymond um, Moody was actually the pioneer researcher in the field who first termed the, who first um, popular popularized the term near-death experiences, and he reported that 12 to 18 percent of the American population actually has had a near-death experience. There's also some re- more recent research around that as well through some very very um, prestigious institutions that have done that uh, for that. Uh, um, 
research around the percentages of similar experiences, uh, similar kinds of elements that came up in their near-death experiences. It was like Copenhagen. Uh, Denmark had it quite a bit happening there. Uh, right, the, the Center for Stroke Research in Berlin, the Norwegian University of Technology, and the new their research found that 10% of people report an NDE. Now, there's a lot of people that probably won't report it. They, they won't report it, absolutely. absolutely. They, it either terrifies them or they're like thinking that they're crazy. Yeah. What was fascinating for me was when a friend of mine uh, who's an MD, he's a researcher, professor at uh, U of T, uh, School of Medicine at University of Toronto, and I told him where I was going. And he was like, really? What, what goes on there? And he was like, I am fascinated mm-hmm. by the whole thing of near-death experience mm-hmm. and just that whole area. And I'm like, really? You know, because I had absolutely no idea that he had any interest in this whatsoever because he's Mr. Science. He's a fantastic researcher. But here he is going, give me some information. Give me some stuff. I'm like, all right. I brought him back a whole bunch of stuff from the near-death experience people. Uh, in the in the states, and on speaking of near death, we have to go to a break. <laughs> um, we will be back in uh, the other in just a couple of minutes on the other side of these commercials. I'm here with Linda Kushner, Dr. Jan Hill, and I'm Gordon Dell, and this is Things Worth Considering. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Become a member of voiceamerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, Back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, and welcome back to uh, Things Worth Considering. Uh, we're here with Linda Kushner, and we are talking about uh, death and near-death experiences and the research that's being done in this field, which is pretty fascinating. Linda, I'm going to push it on over to you since you've got all the research in front of you, and I don't know a whole lot about it. So uh-huh. there are three categories of NDE, according to Dr. Raymond Moody, when he did his research. And one of those is people who have been resuscitated after they were pronounced or thought or determined to be fit, clinically dead. Those who have been in accidents or severe, had severe injuries or illnesses and came very close to physical death. And those who died, but they actually told others that were present about the experience and the content of that particular experience. And mm-hmm. some of the more recent research um, talks about the frequently reported experiences like abnormal time perception, 
speed of thought being incredibly fast, uh, vivid senses, um, feeling this total kind of peace at the same time as having their soul sucked out. Uh, that, sounds, in- that sounded really awful. <laughs> <laughs> Your soul is being sucked out at midnight. <laughs> it sounded more like out of a horror movie, but anyways. Yeah. I don't want that part to yeah, happen. We can, we can talk a little bit about some have had darker experiences, but there's always been light of some kind involved. Yes. Um, hearing angels singing, seeing their life flashing before them, and the tunnel experience many people have probably heard about as well. What if you have a really boring life? What flashes in front of you? Uh, maybe someone else's? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. A lot of pictures of you waiting. Waiting, exactly. Oh, <laughs> the waiting, the waiting right? place. Dr. Seuss does that in his book uh, called Oh, the Places We Will Go. Oh, it's yeah. a great book. I've used it in rehab stuff, uh, programs that I've run. And uh, one of the places is the waiting place. Oh. Play, you know, we're waiting for trains to come and planes to go and people to come and people to go. It's just uh, pure Dr. Seuss. It's brilliant. There you go. Waiting. Yeah. Maybe there's a waiting room in the afterlife. Maybe there is. Yeah. Maybe there is. So part of that, that process um, is actually uh, determined through a couple of different scales. One is Dr. Raymond Moody's that there are 15 elements that are common that happen in near-death experiences. And then there's a researcher by the name of uh, Bruce Grayson, and he actually created a, a Grayson scale, which is 16 common elements. He's actually a professor of psychiatry at one of the universities in the U.S., so I don't remember which one. And he was the editor of the Journal for Near-Death Experiences um, and continues his research. He's written several books as well about, about these common experiences that happen as in, in the process. And it's interesting. I, I want to go a little bit back to the research uh, looking at historically, we have the Tibetan Book of the Dead, mm. which also talks about seeing skill as an art that can be done. Uh, that's something we can learn how to die and how to move into the afterlife. And a lot of what Dr. Raymond Moody discovered in his research, what you see in the Grayson scale, uh, when people talk about their near-death experiences, even is similar to what is written in, in the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And I don't know the year, but it goes way back. It goes way back, yeah. Right? yeah. And there's a, a scientist that goes back to the 1600s who actually had an interest in isolating consciousness and experienced his own spiritual crisis by the name of Emanuel Swedenborg, and he actually cataloged spiritual worlds that he himself had experienced in some kind of a, a state, and then he would be considered the first modern scientist to treat heaven as a real place and tried to map it. Wow. Really? That's pretty darn cool. Where's the map? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what room I'm taking. But he did say that the universe is a spiritual place more than a physical. We certainly have a, a different impression being mm. in the physical. Exactly. Um, and that there, the, he introduced the concept of there are many worlds or many mansions. And if we think mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of some of the um, philosophers that come out of the religious traditions, like Teresa of Avila, St. Teresa, that's what she talked about, many mansions. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, yeah. And, well, I mean, that's, that's attributed to... Uh, uh, Jesus saying that in my father's house are many mansions. I go there now to prepare you one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's um, I'm not sure which book out of the four of the Gospels, but it's uh, it's a well-known one. It's used uh, often in, in funerals. And what Emmanuel Swedenborg also stated was that when we die, we're still alive and just as human as ever. Oh, I've always said that. You know, and I've said that because, you know, when we t- look, you know, my, my focus being on therapy is that, when someone dies, we can't say bad about them because they're suddenly a saint. But if you're like a mean SOB at the point of death, you're still a mean SOB a minute afterwards. There's an evolution that has to take place. And mean people continue to be mean people until such time as, you know, they get rid of whatever is making them mean in the first place. Well, that can be scary for that mean person because Emmanuel Swedenborg also said mm-hmm. the dead lead the same kind of life they light in the world. There you go. I'm the next Swedenborg. (laughs) (laughs) You can go to Swedenborg's room. Yeah, really. We're going to go talk. Yeah. So there's a, there, the, the, some of the classic uh, NDE elements, usually they determine that it was an authentic NDE experience if there were at least seven of those items involved. And one of the most common ones and the first one that often comes forth for people is they have a hard time explaining what happened. They can't find the words because it's such 
a unique, different kind of experience. Um, it's Words are, are two to three dimensional. They're inadequate to describe that. It's called ineffability. Mm-hmm. And then um, usually that person who has had the near-death experience heard the pronouncement that said they're dead. And they are trying to let people know that, wait a minute, I'm not. I'm here in mm-hmm. that process, right? So uh, on the one hand, they're in a place of confusion, recognizing, but I'm not dead. But on the other hand, they have these incredible feelings of peace, these pleasant sensations, any kind of pain that they might have had is gone. They uh, have these feelings of comfort, of ease, kind of a solitude and a relief at the same time. Um, But they will also hear a noise. Sometimes it'll be a a disturbing noise for some. Sometimes it'll just be this kind of a buzzing, a loud ringing. And that's interesting because that goes back to the Tibetan Book of the Dead as well, to expect noise of some kind. Really? Right. Um, Sometimes people will have a roaring or a banging. They're not sure what it is, and even a kind of anthem-like music that is surrounding them. They don't know where it's coming from in that process. And then, of course, they go into that tunnel. And for many people, that tunnel is a huge experience of being just rapidly moving through something that they can't really explain. Um, Some people call it um, a funnel, a vacuum, but it's like riding on a roller coaster train. It's going so fast, you can't believe it, and you're in this void, and you're floating, and you're tumbling through space. People pay a lot of money for these sensations. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, look at Wonderland. (laughs) Well, exactly. Right? (laughs) Right. So it's going through this kind of a passageway, which is blinding and swirling. But at the same time, there's some kind of a light that is emanating at the end of that tunnel. Sometimes they feel as though some kind of a a, a place to to um, eventually meet the gates of heaven. It, it depends on the person. Um, with, what I found interesting, too, is that in the research, indigenous cultures, though, don't report a tunnel. They journey across otherworldly landscapes instead. Mm-hmm. It hmm. comes out of a different tradition, right? Well, they wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have mechanical experiences as part to draw upon, yeah. Uh, yeah. which would make sense. Right. And then um, when they pass through into that golden light, there is that sense of an, an incredible shimmering kind of light. It's very much an out-of-body experience they have. The other common element is people often talk about they saw everything going on in let's say they had a cardiac arrest they saw everything in the operating room and they can describe in exact detail what the doctors and nurses were doing and they don't have any knowledge this kind of medical knowledge about all the equipment and the Mm -hmm. electronics and technology and yet they can provide that that detail minutely Mm. and there are some interesting cases when you read about them where they'll talk about how one NDE experiencer uh, saw one of the doctors drop a really nice pen and it rolled underneath something and so he lost it and then another and and another uh, experiencer talked about how she was out of her body floating and she was looking out the window of the room that she was in and she saw these shoes on the ledge and she talked both of them talked about this when they came back and said this is what I observed this is what I saw they found the doctor's pen exactly where she said it Ah. rolled and they found the shoes although to find the shoes they had to crawl out on the ledge because you couldn't see it from see the shoes from the window you had to go around the corner and one of the nurses did that oh really (laughs) That's funny. Makes me wonder how the shoes got there. What happened to the person who owned those shoes? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to know that. They may, they may have a toe tag on right exactly. now. Exactly. Um, you know, wow. I wanted to, to when you're talking about this, the um, the gentleman, he was an MD. He was at the conference. I think his name was Dr. Jeff, somebody or other, who really totally discounted the fact that he, as an ER trauma specialist, he saw what was going on. He would actually see people coming into their bodies and leaving their bodies. Uh, there was one in particular where the, the woman had died and the husband he was trying to save, she died in that car crash and he was being guided by this woman who had just died. Yes. And that's when he finally sort of quote unquote came out, you know, and started talking about his NDE mm-hmm. experiences. I mean, that's a really amazing story. 
Absolutely. Yeah. While I was studying men and grieving, you were getting to listen to a much more interesting story. That's right. <laughs> um, and he talked about it. it was 25 years of being in, in ER that he had these experiences that he could not mention at all. Yeah. Um, there was one that really touched me where he talked about a, a man who was going through cardiac arrest and they were resuscitating him. And the man literally, he saw him, saw him come out of his body in some kind of a spirit form and look at him because he knew that he could be seen. And he asked um, Dr. Jeff, um, do I need to stay? Mm. And Dr. Jeff, having had, you know, many of these encounters, said, it's totally up to you. And the, the, the man decided, I, I, I'm going to the afterlife. Wow. Really? Yeah. It really touched me that um, to be a medical doctor, it would be so difficult to make that, that to, to be able to offer that, that kind of freedom to somebody. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the experiences of people working in trauma, like really intense trauma in uh, uh, ER, must be just amazing. It's, it's interesting, you know, that here was something he had been experiencing for 25 years and yet never spoke about. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the piece that, you know, when we did the, the show on mediumship, which we're going to do a couple more um, over the next few weeks, uh it's it's just like there's a stigma around that, and it's really really too bad. Because can you imagine what a doctor who says this is what's happening and can document that how that changes the, the, everything for people to make this more real, that it's not a secret. Yeah, there are certain he, people know. He, uh, he did talk about you know ethically he was not one of the doctors in the room. In doing performing anything, he 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 didn't have a role as a physician at that time. So he was able to then take in those kind of experiences. Mm. And he talked about when he was in the role of being a doctor in ER, then um, those experiences didn't come to him necessarily. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah he would just be so focused on what he yeah, was doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And and trying to remember all that information all at once. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, I just I just uh, as you were talking, I just had to bring him back. You know, uh, because he was quite fascinating. He was. He yeah. was very... Yeah, I wish I'd heard him speak. I spoke to him and with him, but I didn't get to hear his actual story. I, I started to read his book that I got there, mm. and oh, yeah. uh, he's actually a very spiritual man. He, um, you know, sort of his, his whole life, um, he's had a connection um, mm. to the divine, so it's interesting. Yeah. How can you not, though, to be experiencing that and not have a spiritual sense? Good question. Yeah. No. I think that's an interesting thing, right? It's like, I think that partly our separation from death, you know, how many people do we actually sit with as they die? How many people do we actually, you know, experience that, watch them ex- or sit with them as they experience that process? We and don't. I think that that's right, right? We and maybe you do, a, sometimes maybe you do with your a parent here or there or whatever, or maybe a pet or something like that. But it's like, that's part of the blindness of of the way that we live these days, right? Is that if you sit with dying people, then you have these experiences because mm. you tune in, right? You're part of their experience and you're you're they're part of yours, right? But our experiences, we've moved everything that's yucky. Yeah. Away. Out away. Yeah. When out. you get sick, you go to the hospital, then you know, if you die, then you go to another home, mm. you know, the funeral home. Uh, but you nobody has to sort of take part in all that. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And and so as a result, it it's it takes away the reality that this is as real is the fact you were born. And it's as normal and as common, right? It's it's common in the sense that I think that if we have the experience of it, if we allow ourselves the context, then more and more of us will know it. No one maybe you don't of, see things, but maybe you feel it. No one gets out of life alive. Right, for sure, right? <laughs> Seriously, we don't, yeah. you know. But yet we don't talk about it. How many people would have their wills done, their succession plans in order, their la da da It's not going to happen now. I'm surprised it could, you know. Uh, but that's our, our total denial in our death-denying culture. On that note, we're going to take a break here, and we won't deny the fact that we will be right back in about two minutes. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back to Things Worth Considering. And we are considering today the whole area of uh, the research that's being done in the area of death and near-death experiences. I'm here with our guest, Linda Kushner, and also Dr. Jan Hill, by my uh, co-host, and uh, tell us more, Linda. I'm fascinated. So looking at some of the other elements that are common in near-death experiences, another one is um, the, the experience of meeting others, other spiritual beings. Um, sometimes um, some people will talk about spiritual helpers or guides along the way. Um, they tend to be uh, a very high kind of vibration. Um, it, it's an energy that they want to connect with because it's very comforting. Um, they feel very loved. There's a sense of sometimes meeting one particular light being of some kind. Uh, some people who have more of a religious background might feel that that's the Jesus energy that they're connecting with. Um, that idea of they encounter these incredible beings that show them this possibility of unconditional love and care and they again they have a hard time describing exactly what that feels like mm-hmm. um, often part of that experience though is they're, they're told it might not be their time to, mm-hmm. to go as well but they don't want to leave because they're they're really in in this beautiful energy and feeling this these incredible connections with others. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it will be those who have passed on, their loved ones. Yeah, I was going to say that. Well. Yeah. yeah, that, that will, will come up for them. It can also be people they don't know that are helping them. They don't necessarily know them. They just know that they want to connect and they are in this incredible embrace of, of love. Mm-hmm. So, well, I think that if we could, you know, our own consciousness could expand a little bit. I, I believe those, that kind of energy is around us all the time. I mean, we become so buttoned down into our our flesh, our you know, mm. blood and flesh kind of existence that we're not aware that there are these helping you know energies and hands, and they really do look out for us and help us and you know make things happen for us. Would those people like be your spirit group? Uh, could be, could it be, could be. Um, they they don't necessarily know who they are. The people who've gone into their experiences mm-hmm. could be ancestors, yeah. but not immediate ones. Not like your mom, right? But way of like way back or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that sense of we're so connected. It comes through for them that mm. connection and that sense of love. Yeah, 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 yeah. That they don't really don't want to leave it. What what? Um, Until they say 
It's not your time. Until they Go say it's back. Not your Get time. back home. No, exactly. <laughs> you know. Right. Um, and in that process, usually they'll talk about this being in this incredible light, a shimmering kind of light, as though their body is a shimmering body of light as well. Um, now, some people will talk about experiencing dark, and certainly um, the neurosurgeon Eben Alexander went through that, where he felt like he was in this primordial world of some kind, and along with the noises that he was hearing, and he didn't really know what to make of it. But he felt that he had a helper, some kind of beautiful feminine energy that was there to help him. And then he he saw some light and, and started to move towards that. But he, he couldn't really explain um, what it was. It was rather unusual. And he wasn't a believer in any particular kind of religious philosophy. Um, so he's not... He's not sure um, why he would have gone there in that process, but others have talked about that Mm -hmm. as well. But they don't feel, even though it's a a place that feels a little bit dark in in that primordial sense, they don't necessarily feel that they're in danger. So there's some sense of support even in that process that they're going through. Common experience, of course, the life review. Um, Experiencing (laughs) not just watching your life but experiencing that your connections with people good bad um all of those you actually apparently feel as though you're going through them but in minute minuscule seconds it's very very quick uh, when they go through it um and they have new realizations obviously about how they've acted in their life and Hmm. hopefully some soul learning along the way so it's like quantum therapy Yes, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the the Tibetan Book of the Dead really talks about that. Yes, yeah. uh, A lot, yeah. Yeah, right. There's another concept of um, that that idea of it's not my time. Some people talk about there's a border. Um, They couldn't cross the river. They couldn't go through the door. They couldn't open the gate. Um, Mm. It wasn't their time. But it's like a a visual image that happens for them that they can't cross, that they have to go back. Sounds like an Mexican border. (laughs) <laughs> that was a smart-ass comment, <laughs> but I don't take it back. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think what's fascinating, too, is that um, no matter what kind of background people came from, when they come back and they talk about their experience, they're able to integrate it, they have a whole uh, different feeling about death. For instance, no fear at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have a sense of, I'm here for a purpose and a sense of I want to fulfill that purpose. But they don't, they're not afraid to, they call it often to go home. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's often a, a being in service to humanity, to the globe, the yes. planet. It's bigger than the ego. <laughs> bigger Way than bigger. the ego, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. What about though, so people come back or, well, or they go, but what about regrets? They do talk about, I wish I had done more things to make me happy. That yeah. it's rarely about money, really about yeah. stuff, right? It's about experiences. You know, why didn't I see more sunsets? You know, why why didn't I learn to play an instrument? Um, why didn't I ride in a hot air balloon? Why didn't I have mm-hmm. those wonderful experiences? Um, often traveling. I wish I traveled more. I wish I'd seen more of the world, visited new countries, been open to different people. Um, I wish I'd kept in touch with friends. Yeah, so, so it's really about a lot of regrets about some uh, um, not having connections or maintaining our connections. Yeah, yeah. Getting so wrapped up in our work sometimes, we lose those connections. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, no. Certainly, I, I wish I hadn't spent too much so much time working. Um, now, it might depend on if, if it was working for the money or was it about um, – the quality of the work. And there's an interesting quote from the owner of Boston Pizza who said, you never see a Brinks truck following a hearse. Mm, That's true. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. Right. Why? (laughs) (laughs) People talk about, I wish I'd taken better care of myself, Um, Mm. maybe, you know, exercise more, um, gone to the doctor when I saw a problem instead of ignoring it. Um, especially, I should have told people I love them, really love them. Right. Right. We hear that so often, that that element of love is such an important part of the universe, and we totally get disconnected from it. Oh, early on. Mm-hmm. And I think we spend the rest of our lives trying to get back to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, I mean, it's kind of like the joke of, you know, Afterlife is like, if I'd known that was going to go on and on, I would have taken better care of myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. 
And then finally, I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time worrying. <laughs> Say that again? I wish I hadn't spent so much time worrying. Worrying. I know. I know. The worrying is the, the, uh, the one thing that we're still not grasping that you know, but you know what? I'm going to let me say this about worrying, okay? Worrying is your brain's attempt to feel like it's part of the process. It's a way of accepting mm-hmm. it, okay? That the brain can't not do anything. So worrying becomes a way, because what it's doing in the worrying is it's trying to come up with solutions. It's trying to come up with a way out kind of thing. Whereas, you know, worrying is a total waste, but it always takes us to like, the the place that's so terrible never happens. Ninety nine point nine nine nine. It's not going to happen, but you're ready for it. So it's just a way to look at. I think the brain just a little bit differently. That it's not that it's so out of control as much as it's trying to get back in control. That it helps us. True. Because you can't just say, okay, I'm not even going to worry about this. Because all you do is replace it with other thoughts. It's like the analyst that always shows up at the board meeting. And at the board meeting, you're planning the Christmas party. You don't really need the analyst. Right. But the analyst shows up anyway, right? Is he telling you, I don't know, exactly. what each cupcake costs? And it's like, chill, dude. Yeah, chill, dude. We're talking about a party here. We just want to have fun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I think that, you know, with the worrying piece, if we can maybe shift how that we sort of grab that, that, you know, if if we can move away from that catastrophizing, but just, you know, at the beginning welcoming going, okay, I know what you're doing. You're t- trying to take care of us or take care of me or whatever. Uh, so again, we don't want to find ourselves wrong. When in fact, a part of us that works very, very hard to keep it together, our brain, uh, is just, uh, it's just analyzing stuff for us. You know, to map out just in case. You know, the tragedy is that most of the, the energy that goes into that is it just never happens. Mm. So that's the key. You can worry because you need to, but not too much. Exactly. Exactly. You only worry enough to keep the brain happy. And if the brain's happy, you're going to be happy. That's what my mother said. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> if mama ain't happy, <laughs> nobody's going to be happy. <laughs> uh yeah, the um, you know people who have gone through these experiences that you're talking about, the near-death experience, really, really come back very different. You know, mm-hmm. even if it's just because if you think of it, they went into a non, a non-time-space place, so it was instantaneous their experience often, because you know people aren't aren't dead for like 15 minutes and then brought they can be, but for the most part, when that heart stops. Boom, and they they resuscitate them. It happens in a very short period of time here, like a few minutes, a couple of minutes. So this whole experience, which is quite quite uh, quite vast, is actually happening in like kind of a split to us, like a split second. Well, it's interesting too, right? Because if you think about the impact of realizing that your our whole assumption that there's life and there's death, and those are two separate boxes. Right. Mm -hmm. And life is what we know. And, you know, we're moving along and all that stuff is happening and everything we do happens in that life box. As soon as you move the box of the life and the death box together and you actually overlap them and you realize that they're kind of the same thing, just manifestations of the same thing manifested differently. Right. You kind of it just collapses the whole paradigm. Because if we're not divided into mind and bodies, if we're not divided between sort of corporeal reality and something that we don't know about and let's pretend doesn't exist, then what do you have, right? Then we're kind of accountable for our infinite what? soul, right? We're kind of accountable. We're t- And, you know, in a world that worries too much, that's an awful lot to worry about. An awful Absolutely. lot more to worry about, right? And I think the flip side about, you know, you can worry about it, but the flip side of it is, or you can just let it go and say, you know what, in this relationship, in this lifetime, maybe we're practicing coming together and maybe we don't actually come together. So coming apart actually is part of a bigger a bigger process, right? And so it, it creates acceptance and possibilities where we didn't see acceptance and possibilities before. You know, what I heard was that once again, I have to be responsible. When do I get to not be responsible? Right. But that's <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. And I think that's what most people do. Right. I think that's what most people do. But there's liberation in, in seeing it as infinite. Yeah. Because it means you don't have to get it right this time. And guess what? 
maybe you're not meant to get it right this time. And guess right, none of us ever will. Exactly. Because that's just perfectionism floating around on the surface. Mm. Maybe you just get to practice. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I like practicing. I like practicing. Um, but yeah, we're just that responsible now into eternity. Oh, vey. I know. Which yeah. is a good reason to just close our ears off and say, I don't hear it. Exactly. I don't hear it. I don't want to know anything about it. <laughs> but I'm fascinated with it. You know, having grown up with, you know, my, my grandmother who could just like, oh, by the way, look who's standing behind you. What? You know, and, and she, uh, she was saying who it was. I wasn't. And uh, she would do that to people. It's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting experiences. But it also made it totally real for me, which I'm just so blessed. Um, now you're going to do a workshop about this. I am. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, when is it? August uh, 28th. Uh, Wednesday, August 28th. Yes. At the Transformational Arts College. And uh, starting at 7 o'clock. And Transportation Arts College is at uh, 3300 Young Street. It's on the third floor in uh, Toronto. Um, and people can register how? Uh, basically, they can go on our website and easily register for yep. the workshop. Okay. Our website is uh, transformationalarts.com. That's pretty easy, isn't it? Yes. And there's a lot more information I have. That there, I've done so much research, and there are so many great writers that have done the research and have had their own experiences and are writing about them. Um, there's a wealth of information about near-death experiences oh, yeah, to explore. Absolutely. I've seen some of it that you have. And it's just like, this is like a week's worth of 40 hours a day, mm. you know. Um, not a week, 40 hours a week. But I'm talking about 40 hours a day. Uh, you have so much information. But it's a fascinating area. But, you know, sort of each study that comes out sort of begins to accumulate more and more data that just is starting to show that there is a real commonality here. You know, um, that science is actually waking up going, just a minute, you know, there might be something going on here. Mm-hmm. You know? So the cost is $40. Forty dollars for the workshop. Yep. Okay, it's from seven till ten, and uh, that even includes our HST. Uh, so taxes included. Forty bucks. Linda's a great teacher. Um, and a great teacher. A great teacher. Yeah, she's a great, teacher. a great teacher. I you know one thing I appreciate about Linda is her attention to detail and her capacity to research. So oh, absolutely. That always was for me. That would like, really yeah, work for you. I'm just there flying through a class and going, okay, that's it, study it, and uh, you're going to have a test next week. Um, (laughs) You do the research and let me know what you find out. Exactly. Exactly. So um, that's beginning to wrap up our show. Um, uh, Linda, thanks for coming on. Thank you. And talking to us about it. It's uh, it's an area that our our society just has to come to terms with pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one time, it was it very much was. It's a modern. It's our modern. Uh, I don't know gadgetry. We just don't want to deal with anything. Uh, in uh, lots of European countries, you know, Grandpa's still on the dining dining room table, um, and he's. Uh, He's passed away already. Guess who's coming to dinner? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> At least we know it's Grandpa. Um, so on that note, um, uh, Jan, thank you. Thank as you. As always. And Linda, thank you. And we will be back in the next week at Things Worth Considering. You can get in touch with us at info at spiritgrows.ca. Spiritgrows.ca. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jan Hill and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.